Tanner v. Zigerhorn, case number 21-3462, 8th Circuit, January 20, 2023. Open carrier of firearm sued the Arkansas State Trooper who stopped him in Walmart, subsequently filed the complaint that led to the loss of his concealed carry permit, and testified against him in his successfully defended obstruction of government operations criminal trial. The panel held that his Fourth Amendment claims were foreclosed by collateral estoppel, as he had unsuccessfully argued that a Fourth Amendment violation occurred during the concealed carry action. His perjury claim, brought under the statute granting a cause of action to victims of felonious conduct, also failed. Even assuming that the police officer was untruthful as alleged by the plaintiff appellant because the purported misrepresentation was not material, it did not qualify as perjury. Brabbit v. Capra, case number 21-3564, 8th Circuit, February 3, 2023. Reversing denial of qualified immunity to jail officials in case brought by next of kin of detainee who killed himself by jumping from second floor of jail. When Red Inc. v. Ellison, case number 22-1238, 8th Circuit, February 7, 2023. Several state attorneys general reached out to PAC concerning allegedly deceptive and or unlawful unfair fundraising practices. The PAC brought suit in Minnesota seeking a declaratory judgment that under the Federal Election Campaign Act, FECA, its activities, which were purportedly focused only on federal elections, were outside the purview of state oversight investigation. All AGs except for Minnesota's were dismissed for want of personal jurisdiction and failure to state a claim. The district court dismissed the Minnesota AG on the basis that FECA does not preempt Minnesota's consumer protection law as applied to WinRed. The Court of Appeals affirmed, quote, WinRed errs from the start by attacking a disclaimer mandate where none exists. Minnesota's consumer protection law prohibits deceptive practices, and federal law does not preempt Minnesota's enforcing it against WinRed. Because an enforceable state law underlies General Ellison's investigation, the investigation may proceed. End of quote. Judge Shepard wrote separately, expressing concern that the court accepted the case prematurely as the investigation was in an early stage and no remedy for the PAC's allegedly improper conduct, which the separate opinion noted might not, when all is said and done, even be available to Minnesota, had yet been sought. Moreover, the investigation itself was possibly overbroad. R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company v. City of Edina, Case number 20-2852, 8th Circuit, February 27, 2023. Holding an opinion with substantial statutory analysis and discussion of the law of preemption that federal law does not preclude municipalities' ban on the sale of flavored tobacco products. Bassett v. Credit Bureau Services, Inc., Case number 21-2864, 8th Circuit, February 24, 2023, holding woman who received purportedly improper debt collection letter but did not take any action based on letter lacked Article Three standing to pursue unfair debt collection suit in federal court. Reese v. Hale, case number 
4016, 8th Circuit, January 31, 2023. Individual was arrested after being caught breaking into vehicles in a parking lot. At some point, he appears to have swallowed a baggie of methamphetamine. He was jailed in Benton County, Arkansas, and deteriorated over the course of the night. He was eventually taken to a hospital where he passed away from meth poisoning. His mother brought suit, asserting that the arresting officer and jail officials were deliberately indifferent to his serious medical needs. Following the district court's denial of qualified immunity to them, the Benton County jail officials appealed. The court held that the evidence of record did not provide a basis to conclude that most of the jailers were on notice of the seriousness of the decedent's condition. And in the case of the official who might have had such notice, there was not sufficient evidence of deliberate indifference. Accordingly, the district court was reversed. Jane Doe v. United States, case number 22 8th Circuit, January 24, 2023. Affirming grant of dismissal of complaint filed under Federal Tort Claims Act by woman sexually assaulted by treater at VA hospital due to lack of subject matter jurisdiction. Lundstrom v. Watts Guerra LLP, case numbers 22-1567 and 22-1579, 8th Circuit, March 23, 2023. A South Dakota farmer with marketing experience brought suit claiming that a Texas-based mass torts firm and a Minnesota law firm with whom it partnered in developing an agricultural mass tort case owed him for services he provided in helping sign up local clients. His claims were based on a purported oral contract for his services. The jury returned a plaintiff's verdict, but the damages award was less than he sought. The Texas firm sought reversal on the basis that it should not have been held responsible for any arrangements the Minnesota firm made. The plaintiff cross-appealed on the basis that the damages award should have been higher. The Court of Appeals affirmed on both points. The evidence supported an ostensible agency authority theory, a sort of estoppel, of liability of the firm under South Dakota law. With respect to the cross-appeal, Though the jury might have decided on a higher amount, there was evidentiary support, namely an invoice, supporting the jury's award. Accordingly, the judgment was affirmed. DeWall v. Medical Protective Company Case number 22-1952, 8th Circuit, February 7, 2023 Appellants were contracted by a health system to manage its clinics in Iowa and Illinois. Several years into the relationship, an audit resulted in the health system having to repay Medicare and Medicaid over $770,000 to account for previous overpayments. Litigation ensued between the health system and management company and medical director over reimbursement and other related matters. The management company and medical director subsequently sought coverage for defense of the case under their insurance policies with Medical Protective Company. The district court and appellate panel both concluded that while there was limited coverage for a dispute of this nature, the broader, more robust professional services coverage was not implicated by purported failures to properly administer Medicare and Medicaid claims. Bell v. Baptist Health, case number 22-2057, 8th Circuit, February 28, 2023. 
Female staff radiologic technologists at Baptist Health North Little Rock brought sex discrimination and retaliation, constructive discharge, negligent retention, and hostile work environment claims against hospital based on purported mistreatment by a doctor to whom she was assigned. The district court granted summary judgment to the hospital. The Court of Appeals affirmed. Because the defendant, Appalee, had placed the plaintiff appellant on paid administrative leave when issues with the doctor with whom she worked bubbled up and offered her several avenues for continued employment with the same working conditions and rate of pay, there was no attempt to push her out as required to support a constructive discharge claim or adverse employment action necessary to set forth a discrimination or retaliation claim. There was also no evidence of animus based on sex, foreclosing her hostile work environment claim. On her negligent retention claim, there was no indication that the doctor presented any sort of danger before she made a report of misconduct, and post-report, the hospital responded appropriately. Accordingly, that claim failed as well. Thompson v. Harry, case number 22-1058, 8th Circuit, February 3, 2023. Affirming grant of dismissal of complaint based on prediction that a legal malpractice claim brought by a purported assignee of the claim is not cognizable under South Dakota law. Ahern Rentals Inc. v. EquipmentShare.com Inc. Case number 22-1399, 8th Circuit, February 7, 2023. Longstanding equipment rental company Ahern brought suit under both federal and Missouri law, claiming that Upstart's Equipment Share and EZ were conspiring to have former employees violate various obligations they had regarding protection and misappropriation of trade secrets, non-solicitation, and non-competition. The case was added to an MDL with other cases. These other suits involve Ahern, Equipment Share, and various former Ahern employees. The district court subsequently granted the defendant's request to dismiss the case. EZ was dismissed for a want of plausibility in Ahern's complaint. Equipment share was later dismissed on the basis that with EZ no longer a party, the case was improper splitting of a claim. The Court of Appeals, in a case examining the weight to be accorded allegations made on information and belief, reversed. It described the approach taken as an adoption of that taken by several sister circuits. Quote, we adopt this prevailing standard today and hold that allegations pled on information and belief are not categorically insufficient to state a claim for relief where the proof supporting the allegation is within the sole possession and control of the defendant or where the belief is based on sufficient factual material that makes the inference of culpability plausible. End of quote. Holding that the claims against EZ survived under this standard and the dismissal below of equipment shares was based on the first improper dismissal, the court reversed and remanded. Connors v. Merritt Energy Company, LLC. Case number 22-2080. 8th Circuit, February 15, 2023. Affirming, in case brought by former employee of oil and gas company not hired by its successor in interest, grant of summary judgment to employer on age discrimination claims 
as most hires were over 40 and several were the plaintiff appellant's age or older, but reversing on sex discrimination claim, as no female workers were among the 20 rehired and reasonable fact finder could determine that purported non-discriminatory reasons for decision were pretextual. Blackerby v. BNSF Railway Company, case number 21-3330, 8th Circuit, February 16, 2023. Rail worker injured in workplace accident was disciplined after reporting his injury, ostensibly for failing to do so in a timely fashion. The worker brought a retaliation claim under the Federal Railway Safety Act, FRSA, and a failure to provide a reasonably safe workplace claim under the Federal Employers' Liability Act, FELA. His FRSA claim succeeded at trial. He was granted approximately $58,000 in damages. The railroad appealed and prevailed on the basis that the district court gave a flawed jury instruction. On remand, the parties proceeded to a retrial on the issue of liability only and agreed to stand on the damages award in the event of a plaintiff verdict. However, at the second trial, the defendant railroad prevailed. Following a successful appeal by the worker based on flawed jury instructions at the second trial, a third trial, again on liability only, commenced. Plaintiff prevailed. In addition to the damages award, he was awarded roughly $571,000 in attorney's fees, a reduction of about $130 from the amount requested, and $1,620.45 in filing and transcript fees. Appellate Railroad argued that the fees should have been further reduced. It claimed that the plaintiff affilee only achieved limited success as both one of his FRSA theories of liability and his FELA claim were pruned before trial, that the discrepancy between the damages award and attorney fee award required a reduction, and that the plaintiff had driven up the cost of litigation by necessitating the first appeal with its own mistake and over-lawyering the case. The panel rejected all these arguments except the assertion regarding the first trial. Holding that the first verdict was thrown out due to an error of the plaintiff, the court cut all attorney's fees accumulated during the first trial. Accordingly, the court affirmed in part, reversed in part, and remanded the case to the district court to reduce the fee award as directed in the opinion. Westwater v. Church, case number 22-1685, 8th Circuit, February 23, 2023. Reversing grant of qualified immunity to officer who struck misdemeanor where there were genuine disputes of material fact regarding the amount of force used and the attendant circumstances in which the use of force occurred. Walker Swinton v. Philander Smith College, case number 22-1547, 8th Circuit, March 13, 2023. While administering a quiz, a non-tenured English faculty member at Philander Smith College caught a student with his cell phone out. She confiscated his quiz and, after his exit from the classroom, stated inter alia, that it was insane and retarded for anyone to think it was acceptable to use a cell phone during a test or quiz. After the student heard about the remark, he returned to class, whereupon an intense verbal confrontation ensued. Thereafter, the instructor's nephew and his friends beat up the student in the cafeteria. During an investigation of the matter, she failed to disclose that she lived with one of the attackers, 
was with the attackers shortly before the attack and made suggestions as to how they should word their statements to investigators. She was terminated for witness coaching, use of a disability-related slur in class, and failure to disclose material information during the investigation. She subsequently sued for gender discrimination, retaliation, and breach of contract. The district court granted summary judgment on the first two claims and, declining to exercise supplementary jurisdiction, dismissed the breach of contract claim without prejudice. The Court of Appeals affirmed all three rulings. The college's establishment of legitimate, non-discriminatory reasons for terminating the appellant and her unavailing arguments for pretext foreclosed her discriminatory and retaliatory termination claims. Her argument for a hostile work environment failed due to a lack of actionable incidents and, to the extent what occurred between herself and the student could support such a claim, her role in promoting such hostility. Her unequal pay claim failed for failure to exhaust and untimeliness. Given the grant of summary judgment on her discrimination claims, the court held the district court's decision not to retain jurisdiction over the state law breach of contract claim was not erroneous. Quote, once her federal claims were gone, the district court had no obligation to exercise supplemental jurisdiction over it. End of quote. Roth v. Austin, case number 22-2058, 8th Circuit, March 16, 2023. Holding moot and dismissing appeal brought by Air Force members who objected to vaccine mandate in light of changes in policy that have granted the airmen all of the relief requested. End of summaries.